This is HPR episode 1737 entitled, 5 Steps to Vim. It is hosted by Frank Bell and is about 22 minutes long. The summary is, Frank Bell discusses how he learned to stop worrying and love the Vim. This episode of HPR is brought to you by anhonesthost.com. Get 15% discount on all shared hosting with the offer code HPR15. That's HPR15. Better web hosting that's honest and fair at anhonesthost.com. Hello, this is Frank Bell again, and today I want to talk about my five steps for getting comfortable with VIM. VIM stands for VI Improved. VI, V-I, is one of the oldest editors in the Knicks world. According to an interview I read at one time, it was composed over a timeshare, over a 300-baud modem. And some of the things that people find intimidating about Vi and Vim come from that. It has an extremely terse command set. Once you understand it, the command set makes sense. But the command set is also very different from those of editors that came later. And certainly different from GUI editors where everything is done from the menu. Plus, it has no menu. So you have to know or have a good reference to the commands. If you want to learn how to use, and I'm going to focus on Vim, so I'm going to say Vim from now on. If you want to learn how to use Vim, you pretty much have to have a cheat sheet. Whether it's a printed cheat sheet or one on your display, you need a cheat sheet. If you go do a web search for Vim cheat sheets, you will get overwhelmed I've got one in my hand that is three pages long of densely packed commands. If I try to consult that cheat sheet for every single thing I want to do in Vim, I don't get anything done because I'm spending all my time in the cheat sheet. Why should you learn Vim? Well, for one thing, Vim or Vi is everywhere in the next world. If you install a distro, the odds are it's going to have the Vi text editor or the Vim text editor or as the case with Slackware, both of them. In fact, I think Slackware has every text editor known to Linux in it. Others, such as Magia, the Vi has Vim, and if you type in the command Vi for Vi, It's alias to Vim, and Vim starts. But the people who package Magia know that Linux users expect to find Vi, so they made a provision to give them an editor when they type the Vi command. Also, it's just a really, really geeky thing to do to be able to 
edit and compose text in Vim. It's a very satisfying bit of learning once you get there. But again, going back to the cheat sheets, you look at these cheat sheets, there are so many trees you can't see the forest. So I'm going to try to demystify this by saying by mastering a few simple commands, you can become comfortable using Vim. And once you become comfortable, if you have a mind to, you can go on to be proficient. I certainly hope that this podcast will supplement the excellent series that Dave Morris is doing called Vim Hints, and I'll have a link to that series in the show notes. I've already learned stuff that in 10 years of using Linux, I didn't know about Vim, just from his first, and particularly his second episode of that series. I also want to say that I'm heavily indebted to Linux Voice for getting me onto the road of becoming comfortable using Vim. There was a tutorial in Issue 1 of Linux Voice, which is now available under CC by SA, and I will link to where you can download Issue 1 of Linux Voice. And also, the Linux Voice staff did a video available on YouTube and on the Linux Voice site, which, although not by any means intended to be a tutorial, showed me some of the things that you can do with Vim and in Vim and spurred me to come up with a strategy for getting better at it. I shared that strategy in my previous podcast, and that was to use MUT for my email with Vim as the editor for composing and replying to emails. I didn't do that on all my machines, but I did it on a couple of them, and it put me in a position where, instead of using Vim once or twice in a blue moon to say, for example, edit my Etsy FSTAB file, or put a new line in rc.local, I was using it every day, almost every day, usually several times a day. And simply by having that opportunity forced onto me, I got better at using it. So, here are my five steps to being comfortable, not proficient, but comfortable with Vim. Or subtitled, How I Learned to Stop Worrying and Love the Vim. First, create a .vimrc file. And use, you can use the .vimrc file to manage the startup options that are displayed when you start Vim. I stole mine quite unashamedly right from Linux Voice. And what I've, what mine does is it, using the vim set command, it displays a ruler, showing the position of the cursor, line numbers, a status line, ensures that when I search for something, the search results are highlighted. I'm not going to bother to parse the syntax. You can watch the Linux Voice tutorial and see that file created. And again, I said, I just stole it. I have not gotten into changing it any. But if you do a web search for .vimrc files or vimrc files, you will find many persons who have posted their rc files to the Internet. So that's step one. 
Step two is understand and learn how to change modes in Vim. And Dave Morris gave an excellent explanation of this in his, the first podcast of his Vim Hint series. Vim is a modal editor. It has two modes. What's called normal, or sometimes called command mode. Vim starts in command mode. And in command mode, you can pretty much do everything you need to do to manipulate text, except type text into the file. You can delete text. You can copy text. All kinds of stuff like that. You just can't type it. To go into insert mode, you press the escape key and then the letter, the I, lowercase i on the keyboard, you're in insert mode. And then you can start typing text from whatever position the cursor is at at the time. To go back into command mode, say you want to save the file, or you want to copy some text and paste it somewhere else, just hit the escape key. Now for step three. Some of the tutorials that you will see about using Vim will say that you really should learn how to net move the cursor about using the H, J, K, and L keys. H for one space to the left, J for, I think, up a line, K for down a line, and L for one space to the right. Don't worry about that. If you don't feel comfortable trying to learn a new way of navigating the cursor when you're also trying to learn a whole bunch of other new stuff, just use the arrow keys. One of the most proficient Linux users I know, a fellow who administers a complex Linux network, who has been using Unix and Linux for 25 years, at least, maybe longer. I'm not exactly sure when he started. Was saying the last time we were discussing Vim that he never was able to get used to using the letter keys to move the cursor. He just used the arrow keys. I figure if it's okay with him, as I say, the most proficient Linux user I know, it's okay with for me and it's okay for you all. Don't add one more thing to try to train your fingers to do when you're trying to grapple with this much larger thing. Step three, don't try to learn all the commands. There are approximately 10 or 12 commands for deleting text. There are two X commands, lowercase x and uppercase x, and a whole bunch of commands that include the letter D for delete, plus a modifier to modify what gets deleted. The ones I find that I use most commonly are X to delete one character. So if I'm in typing mode and I, instead of typing HPR, I type HPRY, I can press escape, then position the cursor over the letter Y, and then press the X key and make the Y go away. Then I press escape I and can go back to whatever I was typing. When you get to the D commands, all the permutations on the D commands have to do 
with what you're deleting. Are you deleting a word? Are you deleting from the cursor to the end of the line, from the cursor to the beginning of the line? Stuff like that. You don't have to learn all that stuff. You can do quite well, and again, this is to get comfortable, not proficient, with DD for delete this here line that the cursor's on, and DW, which means delete this here word the cursor's on. If you can use X, DD, and DW, you can do all the, the deleting that is necessary in a typical text file, such as the body of an email or a draft for a letter to the editor of your local rag. I write edit letters to the editor of my local rag occasionally. Occasionally they even get printed, uh, although I'm not really as crazy as some of the letters they do print. So that's three commands to delete text. There's also a whole range of commands that include the letter C for change. There's only one you need to worry about to become comfortable using Vim, and that is CW, which means change word. So you hit escape, so you're in command, command mode, position the cursor at the word you want to change, type CW. It, that will delete the word that's on the line and put you in insert mode so you can type your new word. Similarly, for copying, and copying in Vim is referred to as Y, which stands for yank. You yank the line to the clipboard. There's the whole raft of how the Y commands for copy this word, copy this line, end of this line, from here to there, up and down, and so on, and dance, copy and dance and spirals, all kinds of permutation to the Y command. The one that I have found sufficient to my needs as a Vim Ginner is YY, which means copy this line to the clipboard. I'll tell you how I commonly use it. One of the things I'm frequently editing in Vim is my Fluxbox menu. And if you've ever used Fluxbox or a similar window manager, you know that there are no GUI tools for editing the configuration files. You edit the configuration files with a text editor. Say I installed a new program. I want to add it to the menu. I open up the menu file in the editor, position the keyboard, position the cursor where I want it to be, and type the command for starting that program from the menu. Then I save the file. I test it. Now I have all my, the way I arrange my Fluxbox menu is I have categories such as multimedia, cyberspace, uh, office, games, stuff like that. Th then down below those, I have a list of my eight or nine most frequently used programs. So after I make sure the line is working in the, under the appropriate category, I will type uh, escape YY and copy that line to the clipboard, then navigate down to where I want it in my most frequently used programs list, and I will paste it. And for pasting, one of two commands. Lowercase p to paste below the line you're on, uppercase p to paste above the line you're on. There are many other 
commands you can use for various copy and paste routines. You can copy a word, you can copy from here to the end of the sentence and so on and so forth. But for day-to-day -day writing, I found that YY com combined with the 2P commands for pasting is enough to feel comfortable. It's also nice to know the undo command. It's not really essential because with the delete commands and the insert text command, you can do an undo in that way. But sometimes what you've done is so grievous you want to use the undo command. And again, there are permutations on it, but the one I find is adequate for normal use is escape and then colon to open the command line at the bottom of the Vim window, the Vim command line, not the Linux command line, and then U, lowercase u, and that will undo your last change. And if you find yourself doing a lot of unuse, a lot of undos, you know, undo last change is usually enough for the typical email and stuff of that nature. And finally, save and quit. To save a file after you've made changes, you hit escape, colon, the little Vim command line opens at the bottom, and type W for write. You're writing the file. And I do remember, although I was not using computers back in the early days, I knew some of the uh, folks who worked in the Unix uh, test center at my first major employer and they used to talk about writing files. They didn't talk about saving files. To quit, if you just want to quit, you've saved the file and you want to quit, it's escape colon Q for quit. If you want to save and quit, it's escape colon WQ. You can combine the commands. Escape colon WQ for write and quit. If you want to quit without saving, it's escape colon Q exclamation mark. So that's what I've got here. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11 commands and one command that combines two of those, the WQ. So you don't have to go out and learn the, all those hundreds of different permutations on these commands. I find with these 11 commands, I'm comfortable using Vim. And once you get comfortable using Vim, you can then learn the other commands as you need to. I've finally gotten used to using for delete uh, DW. I, I'm sorry. D dollar sign was the least to end of line. And because I wasn't overwhelmed with lots of other stuff, I can remember that. And remember it quite easily. So that's for the fifth step of becoming comfortable with them. And the most important step is to use it to write stuff. If you don't want to use it for an editor for your email client. You don't want to use it, say, to draft a document that you might later 
put into a word processor and format for publication. Use it to do the outline in the show notes for the podcast that you are going to record for HPR. Thank you very much. You've been listening to Hacker Public Radio at hackerpublicradio.org. We are a community podcast network that releases shows every weekday, Monday through Friday. Today's show, like all our shows, was contributed by an HBR listener like yourself. If you ever thought of recording a podcast, then click on our contribute link to find out how easy it really is. Hacker Public Radio was founded by the Digital Dog Pound and the Infonomicon Computer Club and is part of the binary revolution at binrev.com. If you have comments on today's show, please email the host directly, leave a comment on the website or record a follow-up episode yourself. Unless otherwise stated, today's show is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Sharealike 3.0 license.